Imagine a place of your own in your name, a place where all your stuff is, where there's a dinner table and a family around it. Virginia Housing makes it possible for thousands across the Commonwealth with our special homeownership programs, including loans, grants, and free classes. Because when we help people buy homes, their communities thrive. Click to learn more about Virginia Housing and see how home helps everyone. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, Episode 108, The Peanuts Movie. Are there Peanuts brand peanuts? Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between, Blue Sky included. And we are here to talk to you about a movie called The Peanuts Movie. But before we get to that, I'm your host, Morgan Stradling, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Mason Smith. Say hello. Hello, hello. Welcome, Animation World. And Chelsea Robson. Hello, my friends. I'm so glad we could be here today. (laughs) So we talk about all things animation, particularly animated movies. So we go back in time. We will talk about movies of the past, present, and in the future, we will talk about movies of the future, if that makes sense. Um, We will be doing a news show Uh, Hopefully at some point in time, once we reach $500 on our Patreon, we will start doing a news show where we talk about up and coming films, the news, what's happening in the animation world. But today is not that day. We are just going to talk about the Peanuts movie, which was released last week or basically two weeks ago. A week and a half ago. There we go. And I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, the patrons made this possible. Initially, we didn't always renew or review every single new animated mil- movie that was coming out. But since the patrons uh, help support us, this is something that we are now able to do for you guys. So I'm excited to dive in and talk about it. The Peanuts movie. <laughs> Who would have thought? I can't figure out what was a more adorable film that I watched this year, The Intern or The Peanuts Movie. I'm going to say The Peanuts Movie because it was animated. (laughs) The Intern's adorable? Oh, it was great. I never thought Robert De Niro could be such a cute old man. He was a cute old man in that one. I'll give him that. I know. Well, so (laughs) let's just dive right into this. Um, The Peanuts Movie, this is a film that was done by Blue Sky Studios. It was released November 6th. 2015 and already it has done according to box office mojo 90.6 million dollars in the box office just within those two weekends up number two against specter which is the new james bond movie and this weekend even though there were a bunch of other films that came out this weekend specter was still number one and the peanuts movie was still number two which is pretty impressive because usually when new contenders come into the ring they kind of push everyone out Good signs for the Peanuts movie. Uh, Overall, people are really enjoying it. It is definitely something that people are eagerly anticipating because the Peanuts is such a beloved franchise, and we will talk about that as we get into it. But it was directed by Steve Stephen Martino, who directed Horton Hears a Who and Ice Age Continental Drift. Um, I have the I'm not with me, but I have the art book for the Peanuts movie. And as I was reading it, um, they talked about how, well, first off, Peanuts, uh, the creator, Charles Schultz, he died um, back around 2000, uh, early 2000s. And 
you know, the comic strip. It ran for nearly 50 years. And after that, you know, he, he stopped it and then he died soon after. But his family and his son still own the property and the estate and merchandising and all that stuff. And of course, people are very interested in this franchise and they wanted to do a movie about the peanuts and you know they said every studio across the land came and tried to pitch them on this and ultimately they said no uh then they realized that they wanted to do this themselves so they started working on a script you know they had worked with their father they felt that they understood the peanuts characters more than anyone uh, so they started working on this script. They brought in a screenwriter. And then when they were looking at studios to work on this, obviously, uh, Stephen Martino, they really appreciated what he had done in Horton Hears a Who, uh, how he didn't really tr take a lot of creative liberties with it. He was really true to the source material and was um, – you know, very respectful of Dr. Seuss's work. And so they really liked that. And so that's ultimately why Blue Sky was chosen to do the Peanuts movie. Now, I remember when this was announced a few years ago, people were kind of up in arms. They, uh, you know, you can't do Peanuts. Peanuts are the kind of this like holy grail. Everyone has this deep fondness for uh, the holiday specials that they've done or the, the comic strip. Um, so there was people who people were very nervous about this. Well, the uh, main reason they were nervous was just because of the animation style. You know, Penis has right. such a specific look and it's so iconic in its own in its entirety that it's like if they would have done it any differently than how they actually did it, people would have been like throwing their hands up like, oh, no, oh, no. But the way they did it was just so fantastic. Yeah, that's right. a good point, because I was going to say people were nervous when they heard, first heard about the concept, but then once they released the first images and then, you know, this little teaser for this film, I think people really got on board because, yes, it was CGI. And, you know, when they announced that Blue Sky is going to do it, you immediately think, oh, well, that's a CGI studio. Great. Like, what are they going to do to our characters? But the way that they were able to convert these characters to CGI, yet make them still feel very flat and true to the comics, that's when people really started saying, you know, taking a deep breath, thinking, okay, I can trust them. And, you know, having seen it, I thought it played perfectly. Oh, yeah. I I thought the animation style was what really set it apart from like, any other movie that's come out in the last 10 years or so. Um, because it's just so fitting. Everything about it, it just made you happy about, like, okay, cool. They didn't ruin our characters. Um and just there, it was semi-flat, but still not. And then I loved there was a there was one type. Every time that they had any lines, it almost was like a like a um, what was it called when you have dang it. Anyway, it, it was just where the the emotions and everything were almost like on a cell in front of the actual image itself, and so it yeah, added like an overlay. That, yeah, it seemed like almost like you were watching a 2D film in that way, but at the same time, it was not. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I was like, as a rigging slash animation guy, I was really blown away by what they achieved. And I'm happy to hear that it worked out for y'all. I would say I'd say that it was a pretty good transition into the old Peanut style. Mm -hmm. What? So you you think it did not? No, I think it was perfect. Like, I don't, in fact, I don't think there was much about this movie that was not a perfect, like, replication of the old Charlie Brown uh, specials, which mm -hmm. normally I would be, normally I'd be like, oh, well, they're just doing the same, the same old thing. But it's great in this case. Like, gosh, I, 
it's actually harder to like as we saw with the Lego movie and things like that. It's actually more of a technical challenge to achieve that that look of limited animation in CG. You know, we saw a little bit of that in in Wreck It Ralph with um uh with the little townspeople in Ralph's game and how they definitely have that look. And then, like, if you have no soul, South Park is actually made on Autodesk Maya, which is a, a 3D package, and you can you can make sprite-based 2D animations out of that and, and fudge the frame rate and all that kind of stuff. It's just more of a technical challenge. And it was cool because it looked like they had, like, three directions or, like, three poses on their rigs. It was, like, side view, three-quarters view, front view, back view, you know? Uh-huh. And that was it. And then everything else was were kind of these... Um, I don't know if they used blend shapes, which is where you interpolate between different pre-made shapes um, to create the illusion of, of like a, a cell animation in 3D, um, or if um, they had something, some system. I don't know. I, I know I know that Blue Sky uses Maya as its proprietary software, and that's like my my you know, as Tom Riddle would say, my past, present, and future, <laughs> like, live on that program. So I don't know, like, while I was watching it, I was just like, golly, how did they achieve that? Like, I bet that's how they did it, but, and yet there's still so much life to it. There's so much feel. It's like they brought that old um, style from the, you know, the, the Peanuts shorts and and films and and brought new life to it while still paying like a perfect homage to the old stuff. So it really blew my mind. There were a couple of parts where I thought like the very, um, where I thought the shading and texturing and lighting and stuff was very rudimentary and, and didn't quite work, but that's like in a few shots, like, you know, there's a shot, a scene and a sequence, you know, it it was very, very little where I noticed this. And so overall I was blown away uh, by what I saw. So, can, I, can we just put the brakes on Charlie Brown and talk about the cosmic scratastrophe before <laughs> the movie? <laughs> oh my gosh, I, should, I shouldn't... Okay, I gotta be careful what I say about this short because I would love to work for Blue Sky. They're like a killer animation studio and they're in Connecticut. Like, how cool is that? Um, maybe not Connecticut. Someplace really close... Yeah, someplace really close to New York. But anyway... Um, Imagine a place of your own in your name. A place where all your stuff is, where there's a dinner table and a family around it. Virginia Housing makes it possible for thousands across the Commonwealth with our special homeownership programs, including loans, grants, and free classes. Because when we help people buy homes, their communities thrive. Click to learn more about Virginia Housing and see how home helps everyone. I, I would say it's the it was the weaker of the <laughs> scrap <laughs> scrap I've seen. It was the best of times. It was oh, it was the best. It was the best of times. The worst of times. But at least a- they started with they they only went up after the short was done. It, it only went <laughs> there. Well, Connecticut. Here's a funny they are thing. in Connecticut. Well, the, here's the funny thing is when I first watched it it was just playing along like along with the previews and at first i thought it was the preview itself and i was like no they are not making a full length oh, picture of this in space no <laughs> and then after it was done i was like okay well that was okay <laughs> i'll give them that there that's that'll be working 
I did, I thought it was horrible. I honestly thought <laughs> oh. it was the worst things that I have seen. One of the worst shorts. Uh, I was not engaged. I okay. Why didn't Why didn't you like it? Why was it so horrible? I I zoned out midway through almost Uh-oh. because it was just to me it wasn't engaging. It was neither interesting nor unique nor fun. Um, you know, I just was sitting there thinking, what the heck am I watching? It was just a lot of gags and action with no real substance. Really, it's it's just... It's, it's Poor like, Scrat. He goes through so much abuse. What would happen if Scrat created the solar system? Like, meh, who cares? Like, that... It was dumb to me. Well, if you put it that way... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how did you think about it? I just was not impressed. And I, I agree that overall... Um, I didn't think it was as strong and as cute as other um, as other Ice Age shorts and or films. Although I, I love Scrat. Like, I love his his thing. Like, I totally... I get him. I, I Scrat, I get you, man. I am your ally. Um, I was busy looking at stuff like the, the animation quality and things like that. There were some really cool parts where he's, like, kind of freaking out and you can see his little squirrel, prehistoric squirrel chest, like, heaving and 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 breathing and stuff and little details like that made it really fun and um it's interesting when you can build a character rig that can make those crazy looney tune style poses but um the space thing just didn't do it for me at the end you know it was like he creates a solar system and normally a little a little a little gag like that i'd be like oh that's cute but in this one i was just kind of like but like the solar system was already there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand. The sun was already there. Like, <laughs> it's just um, it it was it was too much for me. And I know I know it's just a cartoon style animated short, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have as much fun watching it as I did have uh, watching watching Peanuts. But well, I still have Blue Sky. The sad thing is, this is supposed to be like a predecessor to the fifth Ice Age film. Ice right. Age course and if this is how we're we're pumping it up getting us excited personally for me i felt that scrat and those characters had uh, it was only scrat but they had no business being in space oh the scrat movie first there was minions now there's the scrat pack (laughs) so you get to meet scrat's family and hear the tragic backstory of why he's after that acorn kind of like um lion king 1.5 with um, (laughs) timon's little tribe quick before the hyena come (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it, if that the point of that was to get me pumped for this film it did not and it's sort of the yeah. same this happened with home there was a short that came out called almost home and it was talking about the boove and ultimately how they came to earth and they tried all these different planets and some people loved it and some people did not like it people were turned off by the boove and just their designs and who they were and that was a bad sign for that film ultimately it did okay People actually oh, home was cute. Home and it was it was good, but yeah, I it this did not hit for me. If this was the purpose of this was to get me excited for the idea of Ice Age in space. <laughs> you know, in space, 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 space. So Aww. I I'm sorry to be such a downer on it, but cosmic. <laughs> the short is actually called Cosmic Scratastrophe. Indeed, Aww. it was. It's it's as Aww. if. <laughs> Morgan, you're you're very harsh on old Scrat here. Give him a break. I've been a lover of Scrat in the first place, and I think by this point, I'm just annoyed that he keeps coming around. He's like the cat that keeps like eating your dog's food outside, and you're like, get out of here. Well, 
You're you're in a safe place to have such strong opinions of animation. We accept all kinds, <laughs> except except those that claim that animation is a kids is for is for kids films. Well, speaking of that sort of sentiment, I do think that this film, the Peanuts movie, going back to that, really kind of has that kitty vibe because I, you know, well. I don't know why, because it's kid. It's very kid friendly, but I wouldn't say it's a kid's movie. I know, I but I, you were talking to a lot of people. They're like, oh, that kid's movie is out. I mean, we have this conversation every single time a new movie comes out. But, you know, it it also has to deal with the main characters being young. That typically- being all children. Like, there are no adults. Like, who wakes up Charlie Brown in the morning? Nobody. He does everything himself. This is like a weird parallel universe where kids literally rule. It's the 1990s dream come true. <laughs> everything they taught you in Nickelodeon has come true in the Peanuts movie. <laughs> Oh that was God. not scripted. I know. I'm brilliant. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I actually would call this more of a kid's film. Um, I didn't feel like, even though throughout, while I was watching it, there were a lot of points where I thought, like, that was really cool, really cute, really funny. There are a lot of moments of, like, that's funny. I actually laughed out loud and was enjoying myself. Um, but I would kind of say that... I think the reason why I would call it a kid's film is just because how um, episodic it feels. Yeah. You know, and so Robin it... Hood. Ro- yeah, but Robin Hood, I don't know. That one's... Hey, come on. You, don't, can't... you can't touch Robin Hood. <laughs> I just feel like this one, it was just... <laughs> Robin Hood, I didn't feel tired at any point in time. For this one, I did. There were moments where I felt were slower and were like... Okay, get on to the next plot point. You know, let's. Yeah. And there, were, there was one point in time where I was like, "I'm gonna fall asleep." Oh, and I'm back. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, Cardinal because of sin. that, yeah. Well, I'm. Hey, hey, because of that, um, I would say that it's not quite. I don't know. It wasn't. I would call it a kids' film in that way. With the Peanuts movie, I kind of felt the same way. It didn't necessarily having have a very strong driving plot element. Uh, which yeah. is peanuts. Yes, which is totally peanuts. Yeah, I mean, you that's... have four, uh, you know, four frames basically to tell your story in, you know, the comics, and yeah. you know, this it's a little longer. And there were little vignettes that obviously they all tied together, and they did push a plot, which ultimately was Charlie Brown, how he felt about himself, and you know, starting with flying a kite and a little redheaded girl, all those things. But there wasn't necessarily one main huge conflict or uh, this isn't like inside out and i'm not meaning to compare it to inside out where you know inside out is very complex it has a lot of things going on they introduce all these new worlds and at the end it leaves you very much thinking and pondering about the mind and not saying every film has to be that not so i still really enjoyed this film and i like this film um however the plot was very simple mm-hmm. oh. and, hey uh, simple is can be sophistication yeah, this so, is from the this is from the director. He wanted an Odyssey type story, uh, <laughs> and I agree. It's it's the Odyssey is like a series of vignettes, is a series of small uh, conflicts and stories with one overarching plot or goal for the protagonist, which is Charlie Brown. So Charlie Brown is actually the story of a small bald Odysseus. <laughs> if I were to get philosophical here, boy, I'm on a I'm on a roll tonight. You uh, are. Very, it's very Throw typical. Throw out the of, notes. Throw out the notes. <laughs> get out of here. It's a, it's very typical of Charlie Brown films. Like normally, I would have a problem with them going for the same formula, but 
But I think it's important to reintroduce peanuts and the whole like peanuts values and the whole like the core and the heart of the peanuts comic strip and universe to the new generation in a world where we've got gosh knows how many minions running around. <laughs> I always hate on minions, but I really didn't hate that film. I, I thought it was good. Yeah, um, I, I, I want there to be a reintroduction of peanuts and Charlie Brown to the new generation. So you have to get the plot right. In the end, it's all about Charlie Brown realizing that yes, he is a loser, but things are going to be okay. I watched You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown with Chelsea Morgan um, at the Don Bluth Front Row Theater. <laughs> it was brilliant, and it taught me oh, something dang. great. <laughs> One, Snoopy should never talk. <laughs> Two, Linus can can be anyone. He can be cast. He can be he can be acted by anyone. Like in like it takes a great actor to pull off Linus. And three, um, you have to. Uh, Charlie Brown is in the end. He is a loser. He is Charlie Brown. But in a lot of ways, he's a winner and he's a great person. And he just needs someone to remind him of that, you know. <laughs> well, if you guys do have a time, you should definitely go back and check out episode 53. Now, for you guys that are actually watching on YouTube, you probably don't realize, but we have over 100 episodes that are just audio. So we've had lots of people are like, oh, do this movie, do this movie. Like, we've probably already done them. So <laughs> make sure to go to our podcast. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. I'm sorry, not YouTube. You can find it on iTunes and also Stitcher Radio. And you can look up different movies that we've been doing there. Also on the website, rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now going back to episode 53, we had one of our writers um, come in and that was, she was, did such a great job too. Um, we wanted to invite Alyssa back. I know. Bad timing. Yeah. We we had a hard time getting this episode scheduled anyway. But Alyssa, she just, on the cuff, off the cuff, she just dis had, she joined us and was able to throw out all of these facts and figures and everything that she knows about Peanuts, which is a lot. So definitely head back and check that one out uh, if you want to find out more with her. She's fantastic. And but yeah. I just... I, as I've gone through and I've seen all of these different films, the, the earlier films, the play, and now this film, I, you know, you just start seeing how Charlie Brown really is exactly as Mason said, like he's a loser, but you know, he's the one that just keeps on going and you, you want to cheer for him. And I think that was something that I was like, yeah, I really appreciate the values that are introduced in this. I mean, the fact that he gets up there and he totally could have just said, yeah, it was my test. I win, you know, there's multiple times where he, he took the, the less awesome route to show himself off, but to help somebody else. So I was like, I liked that. Good. Always good. It had some clever story stuff, like when he, he gets his test, his exam switched with Peppermint Patty, who was hilarious <laughs> in this film. She was really... I, she yeah. was one of my favorites. She really was. And then um, Marcy was, like, understated, as always, but she really hit hit the nail on the head with her. And then uh, there was the time when Sally was going to be humiliated at the talent show, and he helped her out. And then there was a time when he did the book report on freaking War and Peace all by himself. and did, <laughs> a, did a, possible. A, did an amazing job. And I'm like, what grade is this kid in? <laughs> Put him in the AP classes. Yeah. Um. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. 
So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Like, they do have something of an overarching plot. But one thing I was thankful for was that they didn't introduce, like, this needless drama like they do sometimes with this type of film. Like, a film that's based off of a popular franchise that's not a film in itself. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what they do with the recess movie, you know, recess schools out and the Hey Arnold movie. They just just made it all this crazy stuff. I always go back to the Rugrats movie where it's like it, it gets so dramatic that Tommy's about to literally let some monkeys eat, eat his baby brother because he's jealous of it. <laughs> never forget. Never forget the Rugrats movie. Such a travesty. <laughs> what was wrong with the original? Why did they have to change it? Why, why did they have to bring in Dill? <laughs> Oh, man. I'm going to write an angry opinion piece on rotoscopers.com. Down with Dill Pickles. Down with Dill. (laughs) Animated baby we love to hate. But yeah, (laughs) they got it right. But what's also interesting is that there's no time for character development in this film when you have such a giant cast of characters that have to, like, fit in with Peanuts fans. There was no character development, no introduction for these characters. Yeah. There was no Charlie Brown voiceover saying, this is Linus, he's my best friend. Right. He has a blankie, and... But he's still the smartest guy I know. I love him. And then this I did is... appreciate when they did put that stuff in there. Like, hey, big brother. You know, I was like, oh, good. I know their relationship. Well, that's that's how Sally is. She's like Buster right. from Arrested Development. Hey, big brother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother. Hello, brother. Didn't have to Anya. He has a blanket, and it's his thing, and he won't let it go. It's... Yeah. This is part of his character. If you've never seen this before, you just... I don't need everything spoon-fed to me. I'm smart enough to be able to jump in and figure it out. Right. It's not like we're watching an anime series. Like, these characters are not hard to figure out. Yeah. I do wish that they had, like, used their names a few more times. Um, Because there were times when I was like, what is that person's name again? I don't remember. I'm not super, super familiar with all of the names. And so I was like, I remember you're cool. Um, The other standout character, though, is Pigpen. Oh, Pigpen and, rules. And we got to see him clean. Yeah, that was so great. Do I know you? <laughs> um, but I loved how it was like this perpetual thing of like clouded dirt. I mean, it was almost like, oh, I just loved it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> like going with Chelsea said, you know, she wanted maybe a little bit more introductions, but I'm glad that we just didn't get any introductions. They just jumped right into it. However, I did feel that since there were, there are so many characters in the Peenich, you know, universe that we didn't get to see as many of our favorites as I would have liked. Like I would have loved a Schroeder piano scene. We, and we mm-hmm. kind of got that in the classroom scene where he had the piano in his desk and that, that was hilarious and funny i mean that was very memorable and i guess if that's all we got that's great but i I just felt that i was kind of 
wanting a few extra, a little extra time with some of these characters. But we did. We got Peppermint Patty. She for sure got a lot of airtime, and it's because, you know, she had a, a cru- crucial part to play. But yeah. other favorite, you know, we got we got Lucy with, you know, the psychiatrist booth, you know. Check I that love out. Lucy. All of the classic things and tropes, uh, for the most part, we got, which was very nice. There were, you know... You know, I don't think we saw him playing baseball per se. Uh, we did, we did, but not catching a baseball. Or, or no, we didn't see the classic Lucy catching a baseball and then making the excuse about why she couldn't catch it. Um, but that's the thing. I appreciated that they didn't try to force as many of the inside jokes and classic moments in there. We got enough, but then they were able to build new ones. They also added the Christmas time is here. Oh, they did. They had it. And that was like, okay, good. And I'm glad that they just kept it really short. Yes, that's all we need. If they need it, though. I mean, yes, it was filled. It was in winter, but that obviously is the most iconic Peanuts short of all time. Yeah. I needed it. I don't know. Oh, um, this is from the chat. Martha Gutierrez uh, is asking if we did the um, Peanuts yourself. The, what do you call it? Oh, online? The, yeah, the turn yourself into a Peanuts character. We I, I we did. all did it, didn't we? Yes. Mm-hmm. We should oh. make that into the banner on the Facebook page. Ah, yes, we should. Okay. Um, I, I must say, I was so impressed with the amount of marketing and publicity this film had. They, you know, the Peanuts yourself, there's people at work. They had really good ones. As their avatar, you know, like everyone was turning themselves into a Peanuts character because who doesn't want to be a Peanuts character? And then I think we had talked about this on a previous episode, but, or or maybe in the Patreon group for uh, Roto Nation, just, you know, Gap, for example, Gap, did you know a promotion with the peanuts movie and you could buy peanuts inspired clothing so you could buy a little blue dress that looked like lucy you could buy a hoodie oh. yellow and had the zigzag like charlie brown. oh dude the charlie brown hoodie that'd be sweet and then nice. i also saw a ton of just consumer products and like food it just had you know slapped all over it peanut stuff like i bought chocolate milk and it had peanuts on it you know so like it had like peanuts flavors. That's Snoopy and. Uh, Isn't that weird though that the show's called Peanuts, even though like what what is what does Charlie Brown have to do with peanuts? Isn't yeah, there like this rumor? Like, isn't there this rumor that Charles Schultz like didn't like the name Peanuts? Well, that's not even a rumor. That is very true. So, um, initially. Shows how much I know. He wanted to call it something else, but they didn't they didn't like the name or or wasn't descriptive enough. So ultimately, the they chose a name for him and it was Peanuts. You know, sort of going off the fact of the peanut gallery uh, everyone has a say and it's i still don't really see how it fits but it, it has stuck obviously um it was really funny i was at the post office this morning and they have uh peanuts stamps for holiday time and the person in front of me uh the post office lady said hey we have uh, holiday stamps would you like to purchase one and he looked down at him and he said the snoopy one snoopy was nowhere in the <laughs> You know, in the stamps, maybe he was in one, but it's just funny the different things that people associate with this. A lot of the shorts say, you know, uh, you know, you're a good man, Charlie Brown, something, something, Charlie Brown, or uh, or people just associate it with either Charlie Brown or Snoopy. And yes, yeah. they know, but they're not too concerned on getting it right. But yes, the marketing overall was everywhere. 
they really hit all of their bases. I saw, you know, advertisements. I saw things on billboards. I saw things on food. I saw it on in stores. And I think they just did a really great job about saturating and reminding us about peanuts. I mean, and these were months before the film came out, not just a month or a few weeks before. They really did a great job of um, helping to just bring peanuts back into our awareness in preparation for the movie's release. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was too commercialized. Of course, I don't, I don't have cable, but, or anything, and I don't go to McDonald's to check the toys, but yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I was, I was, I was one of those guys who was like looking forward to this film, but not necessarily like, I don't know. I, I don't like to be part of the hype culture for certain films. Cause I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be let down. I keep my expectations low slash neutral, but yeah. I don't know. What, hey, one of our chat people just said, why didn't they make Peanuts brand Peanuts? Like, why didn't they? Oh, I, I'm sure they did. Next time I go to the grocery store, I'm going to look at the peanut butter aisle. Charles Schultz's ghost is like, I don't like that name. But, um, <laughs> so one thing I really loved about this film, and I really loved it, like I'm going to rate it really high. Um, one thing I loved is that um, there's no potty humor. There's no like mayhem humor. There's not even a fart joke. I'm looking at you, Angry Birds trailer. <laughs> like, can you get a little more? Can you can you get any more blatant than what they had in the Angry Birds trailer? It's like Josh Gad is like, it's like, look, it's my butt. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like, could you, ugh, anyway. But anyway. I just appreciate, I, I really appreciate that they didn't, every joke they had was legitimately funny. It was good old Charlie Brown humor. Yeah. There's nothing aggressive. There's no, uh, there's a little bit of slapstick, I suppose, but it's not like scratastrophe where the guy's getting mangled for the whole, <laughs> time, for the whole fight. So we're supposed to be, um, <laughs> you know, but anyway, I, I really enjoyed it. You know what? I was um, I was laughing, but I found myself smiling the whole time. I was like Barbie at the end of Toy Story 2. I was like, is the movie over? Great. My gosh, my cheeks are so sore. Is everybody gone? Is everybody gone? Oh, good. But anyway, I, I found myself smiling the whole time. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that Chelsea almost fell asleep. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you which part that had me that just went a little too long, and that was the Red Baron, and it was Chapter 7 in the Red Baron, oh. where it was just like, I was like, all right, we really only needed one of those, I, or maybe two, and I, it was just the fact, I mean, it was a good plot point, but I, but it wasn't a good plot point, it was, it, filler. huh? It was filler. It was filler, yeah, and I think they could have taken half of them out, and I would have been super happy with it, and I wouldn't have, tr I wouldn't have almost fallen asleep. I wouldn't have, I could just, it would have kept the story going because I was way more interested. The moment it went back to Charlie Brown, I was back, and I was like, oh, okay, we're back to normal. But it was that moment we went back to Chapter Seven of <laughs> these the Red Baron. I was like, all right, I'm, I don't know, I'm man. I like the Red Baron stuff. It's a love story, man. I didn't like the Red it's Baron. It's about love. 
to me, it just it had nothing of real impact on the plot. It was like a daydream, basically, that he was having. It, it you know, when he we were done, it was over. It, it didn't exist, and so I wasn't invested in those characters. Uh, it was kind of more or less the same thing each time. Flying, mm-hmm. some got lost, chasing, flying, flying again. Um, and it just seemed, like Chelsea said, it distracted from the plot. You know, the main characters that we cared about that actually had legitimate problems going on. It's almost as if, like, I understand you have to do it because that's one of his most iconic things. He even has a song written about him. Right. Um, but <laughs> I felt that it went too long where... It, it, they almost made it seem like, well, everyone loves Snoopy and everyone loves the Red Bear. And so it has to be this, you know, number two subplot when really they could have just done one little daydream about the Red Baron and I would have been fine. Check that off the list. Um, <laughs> and they could have added one or two more vignettes of the children and maybe introduced more of the kids that I cared about. Now, maybe that's because I'm not so invested in Snoopy and the Red Baron. I enjoy it, but I know, but there are others who are, are quite yeah, crazy fans, but. Well, did you see, did you guys stick to the very, very end of the movie after the credits scene? There was an after the credits scene. Oh, man. Cardinal see, the, the Marvel, I know, total fail. The Marvel movies, they troll you with these kickers <laughs> at the end of the credits and you just get disenchanted. Yeah, it's true. No, but this, it, I mean, it was, it was a funny little thing. So the plane, the Red Baron plane, finally stops in the middle of, I mean, it's been going the entire movie. It started at the very beginning and it's just a little toy that just keeps going and going, going Energizer Bunny style. But it stops, it like flies right above the middle of the lake and then stops automatically and just falls straight down. Like there's no gliding or anything. It's just <clears throat> don't. <laughs> so in that, it was like, oh, that was a funny thing, huh? But they could have done that even still without having so many Red Barons in there. So Well, think about this. There are multiple, like think of the Red Baron. Like he, he is opposition to what, um, what the what the two main characters want and so it's kind of paralleling the side character is paralleling the main conflict of the main protagonist and charlie brown uh wants the little redhead girl in other in other words like his fear of walking up to her and interacting with her is his own red baron in fact at one point the stupid linus's stupid model red baron plane ruins his uh his book report like how did that thing keep going <laughs> energizer bunny style with only like one wind (laughs) and so the more there is conflict with the red baron it parallels the conflict with charlie brown with his own fears so that's it's kind of a storytelling you know um you know uh technique i guess or or tool to kind of engage the audience and get them kind of flowing with things and have like a comical parallel to it i love the red baron sequences just because it kind of brought us out to a new universe of snoopy's imagination you know and then at the end, at the, then at the end, Lucy's like, uh, "Whoever heard of a talking dog? That's so stupid, or a flying dog? That what a dumb story!" And she like licks him, or he licks her, and she's like, "Oh, I've been kissed by a dog." Get some iodine. Love Lucy. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. 
So speaking of some of these characters, what did you feel about the voice acting? You know, it was a really interesting move that that Blue Sky did in the fact that they didn't hire any celebrity voices except for one randomly. I'm not even quite sure why. Oh, Kristen Chernobylwick or whatever her name is. Kenowitz. She was the voice of... <laughs> why? I don't know. Why couldn't you get a kid to do Fifi? No, don't no, no. Thank, you, thank you so much for having <laughs> relatively unknown child actors instead of hiring... You know, they did a the... great job. Instead of hiring, you know, the uh, voice actors du jour of animation, like I was waiting for Maya Rudolph to be casted for this film. <laughs> I really was. No offense to her, but man, she's in everything now. I, I thought they did a great job. I when I first heard that they were only going to have kids do the voices, I was kind of concerned because, you know, were they going to take the voices in a completely different direction? Were they going to try to mimic the voices that we'd already had already been established? And if so, could they do it well? But to be honest, they were nearly, they were almost spot on. I don't think you would have been able to tell a difference, which how many people do they have to go through to be able to find someone who could do the likeness? And they were actually were a kid. <laughs> Seriously. You know, and one thing that I liked is that I, this is going to be the, the most no brainer comment of the whole episode, but they actually sounded like kids. And <laughs> oh, they did. I know they sounded like kids because they were kids, but I think sometimes when you get adults that act that play as kids, uh, you know, they play kid characters and whatnot, you lose a bit of just the natural nuances of a child's voice. Yes, they still more or less sound like a kid and they do a great job doing it. They probably have a much bigger range than a normal six-year-old would have. However, I just, I really appreciated the purity of the children's voices. Um, purity that's a great way to say it out to me um, where I definitely noticed the voice acting and how they were talking it should be noted that the voice of Schroeder um, Noah Johnston was young Mike Wazowski in Monsters University Mike Wazowski so he does he does have um, he does have a history with uh, voicing (laughs) animation he has a history like I I I also believe that Snoopy and Woodstock's uh, lines or vocals they were apparently repurposed from old recordings so they were really focused on just getting that like everything just right Mm -hmm. you know getting it right and being faithful and um it's interesting that charles schultz's family members were involved in production you know that's why they said you know that's why i was like "Hmm." when i saw the titles it was like peanuts by schultz you know it reminded me when you're just talking about Uh, his family being involved in production. So one thing that I was reading in the art book, and I'll include a link in the show notes below so you can purchase the art book, and I will have a review of the art book on the website and on YouTube uh, coming soon. But they mentioned that initially when they started, they, they wanted everyone to refer to Charles Schultz as Sparky because Sparky is what his closest friends referred to him as and as, you know, the team that was going to be making his movie uh, they wanted to have that sense of intimacy and and closeness that friends would have, and so it was just funny that throughout the book you heard you see them referring to him as Sparky, um, which I thought was I thought that was cute. So, yeah, wait, wasn't there a comic book that had Sparky something that uh, Charlie Brown handed to them when everybody was all into him and stuff? He's like, "What's a good book to do your my book report on?" He's like, uh, "I recommend this comic books. I never knew it's it's so simple." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, going back to the War and Peace thing, I looked it up. You could technically 
um, do an audio version. So an audible, you could download War and Peace, and it would only take you 61 hours to do, so two and a half days. So technically, he could have you know started right after school on Friday, kept going Saturday, Sunday, and finished War, War and Peace in a weekend, technically. I wouldn't recommend it, though. Good to know. <laughs> I, I just love that they picked the most iconic and you know, fearsome books, basically based on size. Not fearsome, but it's a beast of a book. Yeah. <laughs> He's going Leo's in the Toy adult Story? section. <laughs> Are we allowed over there? <laughs> That's right. I... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I have so many good things to say about this film, but apparently there were a few people who really didn't like this film. Did you know that imdb.com has a hate filter on its user reviews? <laughs> you can you can you can filter user reviews on IMDb by hatred. Um, nice. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's your typical like hy internet hyperbole where if it's like if it doesn't if it's not the most amazing thing you've ever seen, it's the worst thing you've ever seen. And I really, I really want our fellow rotoscopers and animation fans to not do that. You know, keep an open mind about things. Some guys like this is absolutely awful, sickening. Couldn't tolerate it for even twenty minutes. The storyline is painfully obvious, and the jokes just don't click. We did notice some families in the theater that were enjoying this. They were the good, okay. normal people. But if you were looking for a movie that you'd enjoy yourself, this just isn't it. Maybe some people give this a good review based on emotional value of the Charlie Brown comic strip. Not me. This might be the worst animated film ever made. It's just excruciatingly painful to watch. He's obviously never heard of Ratatouille, Food Fight, you know, or... Um... <laughs> Ratatouille, my favorite. <laughs> Oh, food fight is pretty bad um but uh we should review that one now nah, it's like kicking a dead horse there were some but i i i can't stand it when people on the internet are like this is pretty much the worst thing ever it's like yeah. the, when people say this is the worst animated film ever it's like okay so you've watched three animated films you've watched frozen something from pixar and this film and now you say it's the worst animated film you've ever seen I, let's be real like i gotta be realistic about this if you're a lover of animation you need to avoid that type of vocabulary you yeah. know i can be pretty negative and and um ob obnoxious and sarcastic with how i review films but i try to i try to find the good in everything i have not seen food fight or ratatouille so <laughs> yeah, you but them as if they are yes the you <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much it's pretty much common knowledge that they're just not good films. But you know what? These are reviews from users who voted this title less than 8.0. And so people really had to dig deep to hate on this film. There is even, um, I love to go on the IMDb uh, message boards to see what the buzz is on, on films. Some people were upset that the film was a love story because as they put it, love stories are inappropriate for trigger warning kids movies. <laughs> Talk about a trigger. I was like, I was like, <laughs> the fact that we live in a day and age where a love story is a trigger warning <laughs> no, no, no 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 kids movie. no 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 they oh. didn't they didn't write trigger warning in the review that's mason oh. being funny saying trigger warning they called it a kids movie <laughs> mason's about to go ballistic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um 
I just kind of shut that window down. But yeah, uh, others can't, others complained that the movie didn't have a classical Charlie Brown movie name like You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Char- um, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, or Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and in parentheses, and Don't Come Back. I love that one. We're number one. We're number one. Um, anyway, I don't really care. I don't care what the naysayers say. There's always going to be the people that hate your IP, but I think it's pretty cool when it's really hard to find a rating lower than 8.0 on IMDb. Like, people really had to dig deep um, to find their hatred for this film. Indeed. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it was rated uh, 85% certified fresh, and the critics' consensus is the Peanuts movie offers a colorful gateway into the world of its classic characters and is sweetly nostalgic, if relatively unambitious. There you go. Sweetly nostalgic. I don't know about relatively unambitious. It's for the adults who grew up with them. There are some films where I'm like, you know what? I bet the people that like this only like it for nostalgic reasons. One of them is um, Little Nero in Sleepy Time Land. What if, which one was it? Nemo in Slumberland. Yes. Oh. I was like, nobody nobody scholastically studies that movie as like an amazing gem of animation. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they do. Once again, I'm using internet hyperbole and I shouldn't do that, but... Um, I think this is, I like the delightfully nostalgic. And you know what? Charlie Brown doesn't have to be unambitious because that's the epitome of who Charlie Brown is. (laughs) All he wants is for that redheaded girl to notice him. There's no ambition in that. (laughs) In fact, he tries being ambitious. He tries to be a winner by the book in the film and he fails at it. (laughs) Although I thought it was super cute how um, he learned how to, um, how how he danced, how he, he got, you know, he got the um, the confidence and courage to dance, and everybody at the dance is like, "Is that Charlie Brown? Awesome!" <laughs> and then he ruins everything. But see, that was one thing that I was thinking as he was going through. He was trying to learn all these new skills, like every time, just so that this girl will notice him. And I'm thinking, I really hope this girl never notices him because by the end, he is going Boy, to he will, he's the multifaceted of all. Like man, be you a Renaissance got... man. <laughs> exactly. Well, she I thought knows. it was cute. Also, I didn't even notice that there were some kind of pop-sounding songs in this. In fact, I, I haven't loved heard those extra songs. I haven't, I haven't heard anyone complain about the soundtrack. Uh oh, Morgan's shaking her head over there. No, I liked it. Giving it the stink eye. What do there we got? There are a couple songs that I really liked. Um, I loved that they added the um, <laughs> Kings of Leon in there during that dance segment, just because I love Kings of Leon. And then there are a lot of little songs. I was like, this. I feel like this goes like. It was poppy, not poppy in the sense of like pop music, but it was just had some bounce to it, and you, I felt like it did a good job. Morgan's holding something in. Let's hear yeah, it. Go ahead, Morgan. Let's hear it. I I really enjoyed from the very beginning. <laughs> Christoph Beck did the score, and I think he did a wonderful job. And they did bring a lot of traditional Peanuts songs that you were used to, like skating. That's the Vince. Con- Garaldi trio, uh, Christmas Time is Here. You know, those are classic things that you have to have in your Peanuts film. Um, and then there's the moment where he's dancing um, to the, uh, he's practicing his dance moves. And I was bracing myself. I'm like, oh no, what are they going to do? And it ended up being just a really cute uh, jazzy number. You know, it's it's not dated. It's not putting this into any particular 
era. Yeah, no like, one was doing the stanky leg. No, exactly. Precisely. But then they go in and they have the Megan Trainer song, Better When I'm Dancing, which I love that song. I thought the song, I want to go download it right now and I'll include mm-hmm. soundtracks so you can and then I can download it too. Um, <laughs> On from, Amazon. Rotoscope.com slash Amazon. And I don't know, I just felt that at that very moment, it was like, oh, it's a great song. And there was really wasn't anything bad about it, but just the fact that I felt like it was just sort of, okay, this is the thing we have to do. And I thought they had sort of stayed away from a lot of those things that you have to do. You have to have people uh, dancing in the credits. You have to have people, a big dance party at the end. You have, they may have done people dancing in the credits. I don't know. Um, but I just... I, I feel like it's a, a more generic song rather than the better when I'm dancing, which will clearly date this film. It, it would have came off better. Um, no, they uh, they had the obligatory animated dance um, dance you know sequence in the middle of the movie, and it was relevant to the plot. Well, yes, exactly, and that's a thing. Also, it wasn't just any kind of dancing. It was it, you you recognize the moves that everyone everyone's move dance moves in peanuts you know there was the girl that's like does the oh also that song wasn't in the movie was it it was the, the it typical was. peanuts theme was it this wasn't during that moment but where's the kings of leon i'm looking at the soundtrack and i don't see them yeah all. they did um so right well, they, when sometimes uh, the official snoopy, soundtracks don't have everything that was in the movie i hate that yeah well snoopy he, there was a moment where he goes off and he's he's trying to learn he's trying to teach dance to charlie brown and then you had this this latin flair song come on it which is kings of leon oh maybe it was their song but someone else did it it says that's what i like by florida oh florida <laughs> well i saw it on the credits as being kings of leon too Anyway, um, let's see. That's what I like. I don't know. Somewhere there's a King of Leon song. If you can find it, that's the Easter egg of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But All yeah, right. Other than that, I love the soundtrack. And like I like I said, I love the song. There was nothing necessarily wrong with the song, but in a movie where I was really in the moment for the most part, that was one moment where I took a slight step back and I was like, oh, there's a very um, modern day song here which that's fine maybe that's what we need to do to bring this franchise into the modern day well in your defense they don't um the world of peanuts doesn't really translate well into the world of the age of smartphones and and facebook and things like that that's one thing that i really appreciated is that they kept all of that out no one was walking around with their cell phone you didn't have like a new character you introduced who you know was always on her cell phone and she was you know like chatty kathy or something where they even had normal phones with you know, cords that wrap around everyone. I know, I know kids are like, what's that, mommy? <laughs> I'll tell you when you're older. I think Peanuts itself is very timeless now. It's just kids. Timeless. Have, kids nowadays have cell phones and they have computers and video games, but ultimately kids play baseball and, and kids go and they skate around the ice rink and all these different, or not really an ice rink, the lake. Uh, they have conflict with each other. They have self-confidence issues at times and blah, 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 blah. And, I, I like that they kept that pure um, in, in that aspect. Yeah, pure. That's, I, what I, that's what I keep going back to to describe this film, is that it's very pure. Mm-hmm. Well, so shall we rate it? Well, I We guess, shall. I mean, Are we is done? Is there anything else that you wanted to say? Well. Say it, Morgan. You have 30 seconds. 
I just say, just if we have nothing left on our document, doesn't mean that we end. Oh, we had a question. We had a good question by someone. Um, what was our first exposure to peanuts to Charlie Brown? Not our first exposure to peanuts. I said, I'm allergic to. Happy <laughs> <laughs> Ben. My name is Mason Smith. I was first exposed to peanuts at the age of three at a circus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. We don't mean to poke fun at people who have a peanut allergy. I'm sure it's horrifying. <laughs> but uh, uh, the first one was the most important one. Charlie Brown. Uh, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Like I, I, I still am brought to tears when I watch it. I would say it's either the the Peanuts Christmas special or the comics. Uh, I think I probably would have seen the Christmas special before the comics, um, but I I don't have like an actual recollection of when that was. But oh yeah, I agree about the comics. There was a time in elementary school where they're like, "All right, kids, you have to check out a book and you have to read it." I'm like, "All right, Calvin and Hobbes, I'm there, <laughs> done." It's called American ingenuity, over, right. overthrowing oppressive control with a loophole. Um, it's got yeah. a hard back, mom. Not the yeah, well, yeah. So I did a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. I was well acquainted with Peanuts and Garfield. Oh my gosh, love Garfield. The so, comics. So speaking of books, so you can actually find the all of the comics. Cause I was looking at that. I'm like, I would love to go back and read all of the various comics over the years. And they have it. It's called the complete peanuts. However, it is released in stages. So volume one covers all the, the comic strips from 1950 to 1952. Um, there is uh, volume 24 <laughs> was from 1997 to 1998. That was just barely released. And the, the series ended early 2000. So they still have a few volumes to go. So it's been nearly 10 years of them just slowly releasing these one after another. Wow. Uh, so I will include a link to the complete peanuts where you can go if you're interested in purchasing that. You, uh, they're, they're about 20 bucks each. Uh, I wish they just had a whole box set of all of them instead of having to buy all these individually. But... Uh, that's quite an investment. So you're already what? It says volume. <clears throat> yeah. Vol oh, volume 25, 1999 to 2000 comes out in April. So we are almost there, everybody. Uh, probably <laughs> 24 volumes at $20 a pop. You're basically $500 to get the whole collection. So um, maybe put that on your Christmas list. And a couple Christmas lists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Alyssa has them. No Back idea. order for a few Christmases. So just before we close up, were there any particular scenes or vignettes that you really enjoyed or moments? Man, it, it's just like everything just kind of came together and pleased me as someone. I, 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 I think the world should have high expectations for this film. It is okay to go and in, go in to peanuts with high expectations because they did such a great execution. Mm -hmm. But what did I really like? I, I really like the Red Baron stuff. I thought it was cool to see a new universe, to see things in a 360-degree view, although, true to the comics, you never see the bottom of Snoopy's um, doghouse. Huh? I'm just saying! And then um, I liked I liked the dance, the fall dance or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was cute. cute. And you know what? I'm... I'm I don't know. I liked, oh, I thought it was really sweet where Charlie Brown is teaching the kid how to fly a kite. I was going to say that one right now. That part was, was cute. Mm-hmm. He's like, gee, you're so great, mister. He's like, now you usually don't get it the first try. It's a lifetime of struggle. <laughs> 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 I, 
<laughs> oh. Keepers, mister. You're, You're really strong. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I love the very beginning um, where we just jump right into it and they're at their skating. That's a very classic thing that we've seen in the comics. Um, I liked the dance and I absolutely loved him just practicing, getting ready for the dance. And just, it was just so cute because he finally got it and he was working on it. And uh, again, just uh, such is Charlie Brown's life. Just every time he's almost there, you know, the football, football gets pulled away from him. The rug gets pulled out from underneath him. And it's like, oh, could this guy not catch a break? I really felt that this like, I probably had an audible sigh in the theater <laughs> when the book report flew and just got torn into little little pieces. I was like, oh, will this never end? But it did. And I really liked the ending, how it just kind of wrapped up with the little redhead girl and how she said all these things. Well, yeah, but I I saw you did this for your sister and I saw that you did this and this and kind of, kind of the more less, you know, dramatic or or subtle the more subtle moments she noticed and those are the ones that really mattered Mm -hmm. and i I kind of i love just the way that that wrapped up it's so sweet i did a good job so yeah so i'm gonna get mason's gonna hate me about this but really the only reason i'm rating it so low is because of the parts where i was just like you could have shortened it just a little bit. Um, I'm going to give it three Let's and a half stars. It. I'm, it's not bad. It's not bad, but I mean, the way you're saying is like, I'm going to rate this really stinking high. I'm like, I, okay. I, uh, hey, that's the whole point of the rotoscopers is to teach people to not to hate people who have different opinions about <laughs> It's true. I'm t- I am cool. I'm cool with it. All right. Sounds good. So No triggers. <laughs> so those were my, my main reasons why it did go a little bit lower was just because I felt like it was just too slow for me to really want to watch again. I This is one that it's like, yeah, I could pull this out maybe every 10 years. Um, it had a real gentle was. pace. Yeah, it, it's not one that I'm like, rewind, let's do that again. Let's do um, that again. <laughs> so that's why I give it down there. But I will say that kudos to Blue Sky for their art department and for everyone who worked on this. I loved at the very, very end where it said that this movie would put basically 1,200 jobs and this many oh, hours of work. And I was like, that is fantastic. So to don't be able go to and see- pirate it. What? Don't go and pirate it. Right, exactly. So like that's that's very notable for them. So I I appreciated all of those things and I'm really glad that it has gotten a lot of good praise. So I'm going to rate it 4 stars. I kind of taking something that you and Mason said it, it this film was very subtle and very gentle in the way that it portrayed everything it wasn't in your face it wasn't the big and loud and obnoxious you know maybe the loudest that we got was during the red baron scenes but for mostly for the most part it was just you know kids in the neighborhood doing their thing and i appreciated that it it didn't feel the need to be over the top and you know pander in a way that we see some films do and ultimately it was very pure and uh, was a great tribute to Sparky and the. Com- I feel that if 
yeah, they, they really knocked it out of the park in translating this to the big screen for the first time. Um, and for the, you know, the last time we saw there were some news articles saying that, no, there's not going to be a, a peanut sequel or at least any time. Heck no. <laughs> Why would you need one? They did what they needed to do, which was wonderful. And I really enjoyed the film. Like, unlike Mason, I thought the Red Baron sequences, well, I do understand they're parallel to Charlie Brown and what happened, uh, what was going on in his storyline. I just felt there were too many of them, and they didn't really add very much substance to the movie. And in a film that really there wasn't a ton of substance, this was, uh, you know, it was simple, like I said, I don't know. So I'm just going to give it four stars because I really enjoyed it. And I right. love the animation. I thought the animation and the art <clears throat> style was just so well done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Four and a half stars. I was extremely optimistic about this movie and it exceeded my expectations. I hate to be that snobby, but it's, it's kind of hard for a film. Actually this year, there were very few films that really exceeded my expectations. So I've subsequently started lowering my expectations. <laughs> And even that didn't work, Jurassic World, Age of Ultron. Man from Uncle. But yeah, um, then, um, you know, I was blown away by the animation. I loved the uh, the voice acting. And um, I just love that it, that it was such a pure, like, reproduction of what I loved about Charlie Brown. But not necessarily, not, not necessarily what i loved about it is the charlie brown that we all know and love and it's been brilliantly translated into cg so four and a half stars i was extremely pleased with it it was not the perfect animated film the lion king is the perfect animated film <laughs> but um as i've always said tidbit if you will is that i i i definitely won't be watching this anytime soon and i, I don't think it has replay value but i don't I don't necessarily rate my movies based on replay value. Mm -hmm. All right. So I asked our listeners a question. I said, what did you think of the Peanuts movie? What would you rate it? And we had one response from someone who had seen it. It says it faithfully portrays the spirit of the comic strip and TV specials. One of the best movies of the year. 4.5 out of 5 stars. Bravo. 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 into our voicemail segment. Uh, we have two voicemails, but they are not necessarily about the Peanuts movie. So we will just go right into them. Our first one is from Sinjin. Hey, Rotoscopers. This is Sinjin. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any thoughts to share about the Peanuts movie uh, since I haven't seen it yet. But hopefully over the holiday, I'll be able to catch a showing. Um, but I do have a question for you guys. Um, so Chris Miller and Phil Lord um, also have writing and directing credits for 21 Jump Street. And I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were on animation directors, animators uh, working in live action, uh, making live action movies. Um, obviously, Andrew Stanton and Brad Bird and even Henry Selleck have dabbled in live action, but they've had varying degrees of success. And, um, but I was wondering if you guys felt that they bring a unique sensibility to live action 
or if maybe they don't. Um, an example I can think of is Tim Burton, who early on in his career worked in animation, but made a name for himself in live action. And I'd be surprised if his early animation training didn't have an effect on his uh, uh, live action filmmaking. Um, so I'm anyway, just curious to hear what you guys' thoughts are on that. Um, and keep up the great work. You guys rock. My thoughts, animation directors and animators should never go into live action. Just <laughs> <laughs> never. I the think it's in <laughs> the ultimate sin. I really, you know, being in animation, it's one of those things that because it's everything is so hands-on, you do have to have a lot of, you do have to have your vision of what you want your movie to be. Shots, you have to know where you're going, what to do. There's, there's a lot more hands-on, I would say, um, with angles and things. But at the same time, I don't think that there is much of a difference because, you know, when you're dealing with animators, they're just as much actors as the actors are actors just because they're not putting themselves... Well, I mean, 2D artists would would say that 3D aren't necessarily the same in that way, but I, I still think it's the same. Like, you are portraying who you think this person is based on every movement and everything. So I think, um, I don't think there is much difference. I guess that's what I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with Chelsea on that one. Yeah, I think that the animators and, and animation directors actually bring a lot to live action. You know, I think sometimes they kind of get not necessarily pigeonholed, but they, they choose to stay in animation because that's what they love. But when they do have the opportunity to move over, uh, they can bring something that maybe is missing. They bring a different perspective that others might not take into account because they're just the way that they... Live action typically makes films is, is slightly different than how planned and really thought out animated films can be. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do appreciate... Uh, I think Brad Bird is one I, that comes to mind just how he's really been able to translate his vision into live action. Uh, it just, it makes me slightly sad that we don't, you know, when they do make these jumps, it's like, no, you are the best that we have. <laughs> come <laughs> back. <laughs> well, it's not like you can never come back. You can never come back. Yeah, but, uh, you know, while I would selfishly like them to stay permanently doing animated films forever, I do like that they're able to jump over and do other things. Tim Burton is another great example. Mm -hmm. uh, he really can do, you know, as a result, he can do anything now. He can do uh, an animated film and people will sign off it. They can do, he can do a live action film, they'll sign off. He's good. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So, thank you, Sinjin. Yeah. So our next email or voicemail is from Vanessa. Hi there, my name is Vanessa Blades, and I've been listening to your podcast for about a year and a half now, and I'm a big fan. Um, I am also a child and family therapist. I work in a school, and I do a lot of work with kids here and try to keep our therapeutic groups, um, as well as individual therapy, uh, interesting and creative. And I was thinking the other day about all the movies that I thought would be a good tool to use in therapy um, as a learning tool with with my kiddos. I um, I know you've commented before about movies that are that teach good lessons and can be really touching, like Frozen, 
uh, Finding Nemo, Inside Out especially. And I was wondering if you could come up with a top 10 list um, of appropriate movies, animation movies that could be used um, in a therapeutic or school setting to teach values or to help kids and families cope. Uh, not trying to make you do my, my job for me, but I just would, would really think uh, it would help out a lot of people. So um, thanks for letting me leave a voicemail, and I hope to hear from you. Bye. Wow. That is a really interesting angle. The first movie I feel that so responsible. came to my mind that was like, this probably wouldn't be the best idea, it would be Watership Down. <laughs> it's like, hmm, wow, not, not the right movie. Wow. <laughs> Chelsea Vanessa the no that's one do not use that one for well your... it is a great it is a great cautionary tale about the dangers of fascism I don't think you could use it to holy cow Chelsea you're a troll all right um seriously folks seriously folks I there is a a short animated film called the snowman and that is definitely one I would recommend um there's um, The Snowman. There's an animated film called The Man Who Planted Trees. That is very, very good. And that's by... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an allegorical tale. Yeah, yeah. And then they may have... Yeah, that won the Academy Kings. Award for for Best Animated Short Film in, uh, in out of France in 1987. And I highly... Okay, so Snowman, The Man That Planted Trees. Uh, Meet the Robinsons is, is a very that's cute... A good one. Um, film with a very very good message um finding nemo is a really good one um what else what else what else what else i i really like spirited away i don't i it may be too disturbing for younger children but i feel like it has a really good message about um independence and um not really independence but learning but opening up to others and relying and opening yourself up to them in a vulnerable way and um and uh, let's see. So that's five. Ooh, what else? What else? Um, that comes to mind for me is the land before time. Oh, yeah. land before time. Definitely. Helping with loss and really kind of forcing yourself to grow up. Um, yeah. The moral of the story is blatantly told by the wise old Brontosaurus, like in the beginning of the film. Um, what else? Really feeling conflict and new friends and kind of when you're forced to be stuck in a situation with somebody you know, they, they're all lost. They're basically orphans for some of them for the time being, and they have to learn to work together uh, while dealing with the harsh reality that is our world sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what else are some really good ones? Hmm. Big Hero 6, I think, is a good one. As far as I felt like I was emotionally invested into that movie when I saw it. Yeah, Big Hero uh, 6 is a, a really positive film, animated film, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, an American Tale, as long as we're on a Don Bluth kick with that one. Yeah. There's, there's a, there are a lot no of things you can... In America. I mean, yes, there are a lot of things that aren't historically correct in there, like just little things, but there's a lot of, in general, that was of good... A lot of good things came out of that. I've always said Cinderella is a very mm-hmm. admirable film because I, you look at her and again, she's in this very horrible situation. She's lost her parents. She's become a slave in her own home, but she's always full of gratitude. 
She has a wonderful attitude no matter what happens. She has the opportunity to go to the ball. She's gracious. She's excited. Um, Would you say she has an attitude of gratitude? An attitude of gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes away and she just has the slipper. And and yet in that moment, she's still very uh, you know, grateful to the fairy godmother for allowing that to be happened to her you know and she's not saying oh man i wish i had more i wish i had a few extra hours mm -hmm. friends you know <laughs> she's i i love her attitude in that film and how she's she kind of takes herself on another plane she rises above the stepsisters and the adversity yeah and then uh, look to the lion king just because the soothing voice of mufasa is is enough to stir the heart but it, it has a really interesting theme of um the choice one has to make of um, running from the past or learning from it. And I don't want to sound insensitive to uh, people who are coping with, you know, tragedy or loss, but it has a lot to say about the, the inner strength that one can find in, in remembering who you are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I would recommend the Lion King as well. Prince of Egypt so, is also really good for oh, Prince for, of Egypt, man. Yeah, I'm just being able to look at uh, multiple different cultures talk about a difficult family situation <laughs> but yeah um i i recommend that one as well that's a good one so There's yeah a lot of good ones yeah. I, I think we hit about 10 there hit a lot and i would love to see what our listeners say definitely in the comments rotoscopers.com slash 108 leave your list for vanessa of films that you feel um could help people cope in various situations that have great messages that would also be appropriate to share for um, someone such as herself who what's is... yeah what's your therapeutic animated film yes, yes. Uh, we actually do have one more response to our listener twitter question august Macias says the best feel-good movie of 2015 blue sky didn't tarnish the peanuts legacy there was care and love in the film On that note, I think it's time for us to wrap up this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. It has been a delight to be not only with you guys, but to those of you who joined us live. It appears we had some technical difficulties where our video no longer played anymore. We may have lost the rest of our video. <laughs> this no. is, uh, recorded properly. Uh, please record. Please record. Um, so hopefully the, you, you get this episode on time on Friday, but definitely go to rotoscopers.com slash 108. Leave us your feedback. What do you feel? How do you feel about the Peanuts movie? Do you agree or disagree with some of the things we said? Uh, some hot button issues were the Red Baron scenes. Uh, Mason was for it. I was somewhat against it. And yeah, go there for all things, all the links. I've included links to where you can go to get the soundtrack. Uh, even in vinyl, I included a link if you're into that. Uh, so many can... links, more links than the official Zelda timeline. And now with Linkle. Oh, <laughs> Linkle. That is a Brother. story for another day. <laughs> it really is. 
again, thank you for the patrons who support us on Patreon. That because of them, we were able to uh, do this movie. And now we're going to continue to do all of the main big movies. Our next episode is The Good Dinosaur. So we will oh, yeah. check that out when that is available. And you guys can let us know your thoughts as well. If you have seen the movie, if you get to see it early or whenever it's released, definitely send us a voicemail, rotoscopers.com slash voicemails. Or give us a call at... 406-646-6575. And if you would like to become a patron, please do rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. We actually were thinking about what we can do to spice up some of the tiers, and we have some ideas, so you will definitely want to check those out. And, of course, anyone who is currently a patron will be able to get those tiers as well. So never fear. They're going to be awesome. But, again, we have the Rotoscopers Facebook group where we are able to hang out with the patrons and talk. And there is so there are so many animation addicts and film lovers in that group. It's insane. The discussions oh, yeah. on are, are really great, really in-depth. Um, so shout out to the patrons. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, other than that, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. And of course, Hypable and Animated Views, our friends over there. Yeah, we love our patrons. Our Patreon subscribers are like our lifeblood. It's because of them that we're even able to do the live broadcasts with video when it works. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but having, and then that, that we're able to do new releases and that we've made these transitions and basically like upgraded the podcast as a whole is all thanks to our, our patrons. And so thank you guys. And if you're on the fence about, about being a subscriber, then, you know, try us out. And... Um, and you'll see the podcast expand and grow and you'll you'll have like a, a closer connection to us like i love i love the facebook group because we get to interact with a lot of our listeners all right so you can find me on twitter and instagram and snapchat <clears throat> i'm at morgan Whoa. you can find chelsea on instagram twitter and periscope she's at chelsea robson and of course you can find mason he is at mason smtx there we go Yes, that's basically where you can find him on Instagram and Twitter as well. So all all the tweets, all the time. <laughs> oh, also, Mason Smith portfolio is getting remodeled and will be up soon. Ooh, so may or may not have talked to a couple of animation companies, and now I feel the need to have a working portfolio site again. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yep, especially Chelsea. since intern season is coming is coming around next semester. Gotta redo that. ChelseaRobson.com also updated. What? I want to see it right now. Go for it. Morgan I'm actually going to be doing some... <laughs> Do... MorganStradling.com is up? It just goes to my Twitter account. <laughs> Lazy. <laughs> what is a house concert and how can I get involved? <laughs> exactly. So I, I am this. going to be... <laughs> I'm actually going to be going on a bit of a tour, like going through different cities. So if you are interested, let me know. You got it, dude. All right, guys, that's all we have for this episode. Can't wait to hear from you in the comments. Again, rotoscopers.com slash 108. And until next episode, it is the big moment. It has come, guys. Our second Pixar film of the year. Woo! The hype is big for this one, so get ready. I can't wait to talk about it. Are we going to overdose on Pixar this year? I think we already have. I mean... <laughs> Feels down. great. All right, guys, so until next time, we are the Rotoscopers.